So we are starting uh, this new series, our Advent series, titled Away in a Manger. And, and through this season, again, we've, I've extended a challenge to all of us, right, in this Christmas season. And that is to be praying for somebody that, um, that doesn't know God or that is not connected to a church. Um, and to be praying for that person and, and to invite them, right, to have that spiritual conversation with them. Let's invite them to come to church with you. Just ask even about what do they believe about God or, or where that. So again, if you're here today and you've been invited here, you, you might be here because somebody's already been praying for you for a few weeks. And if you're here, we're glad to have you. We're glad to, to meet you, to have you. Um, and, and again, for those... Um, Again, that are still praying, just continue to pray for that person. Pray through that season. Pray, pray that, that God would open up the right conversations and the right door to be able to share the light of Christ with that, that person or with that family. Um, as we continue to just to, um, to praise God, right, and, and look at the, the incredible Christmas season and the, the gift of the Christ child, we're going to look at different parts of the Christmas story. And, and again, part of the Christmas challenge, the next step of this challenge I want to give to all of us is is through this Christmas season, even as we study the Christmas story, for most of us, it's a very familiar story, right? It's one that we hear every year, and, and in some ways, it's easy to just kind of come to church and just be like, yep, heard that before. I know what's coming, right? I mean, wise men and shepherds and, you know, mangers, right? I, I mean, it's, it, it's easy to kind of just sit back and be like, I know what's coming, right? And so, again, the next part of the Christmas challenge is, is to come with fresh eyes, with a fresh heart of, of an attitude, right, and a posture of, Lord, show me something that I haven't noticed before. Right? Open my eyes to a part of the story or a part of who God is, right, that maybe we haven't ever seen or noticed or, or, or acknowledged before. And so as we um, open this story and look at that, I, um, we're going to start in, in somewhat of a familiar place, I mean, and that is in the Old Testament. Again, Old Testament is not as familiar as the Gospels or as the New Testament, but again, as we look at the, the different parts of the story, um, here, week one, we are starting in the book of Isaiah. Now, Isaiah is an Old Testament prophet, okay? and, and um, a prophet was somebody who who heard these messages from God, they had a special connection to God, and God would speak through them. And he would give them a message to pass on, right, to oftentimes the people of Israel, but sometimes uh, larger groups even than that. And, and Isaiah is, is a, a, a major player when it comes to the Old Testament prophets. Um, I, Isaiah, um, like I said, was this Old Testament prophet, and his prophecies extended from 739 to 681 B.C., and they were um, given primarily to the people of God as they were living in Jerusalem. His prophecy spanned over the reign of four Judean kings. And in this little slice of history, the Israelite people find themselves living in very dark times of judgment because they have broken their covenant with God and they have pursued idolatrous and rebellious lives that led them into sin. And so their relationship with God in a lot of ways was broken. Right? And they were living in exile. They, the judgment of God had come down on them. And throughout the book of Isaiah, um, he, he talks to these foreign nations, right? Uh, um, and where the God's people are scattered into Assyria and Babylon. Um, and again, living in exile in these very dark times. 
Now, as we see, the, the setting for Isaiah and, and a lot of his prophecies are very um, depressing, even in a lot of ways, because he is talking about God's judgment. But yet, at the same time, the, the overall redemptive theme of Isaiah, of the entire book, is hope. And, and he, he communicates hope to the people of Jerusalem as they are living in exile. Hey, living in exile is something that we can all identify with at some level. It's a time in life when we find ourselves far away from God and wondering where his blessings have gone. It's a time when we might feel like nothing could get any worse. When it feels like we have no hope and we're just constantly surrounded by darkness. In fact, if we look at our culture today, just read the headlines, right? And, and the sky seems to always be falling. And in a lot of ways, we can all identify with what it, it's like to live in exile. And yet during this time, Isaiah was commissioned by God to bring hope amidst the darkness. And, and if we can again, look at the words of Isaiah as, as he, he sprinkles these encouraging passages amidst his um, prophetic messages, right, of judgment. And so even when we feel hopeless, we still can turn to the words of Isaiah and find hope in the midst of these dark times. So this morning, what I, I want to do is we look at Isaiah um, and at his perspective, right, which was written 700 years before that first Christmas. We can see that these these pictures of hope that he gives them in the midst of exile. And so this morning, we're going to look at some different passages um, in Isaiah and, and uh, how they foreshadowed, not just hope for the Israelite people, but even foreshadowed the coming of the Christ child. So as the first passage comes, we're going to look at in Isaiah comes out of Isaiah chapter 40. Uh, so if you want to start to find Isaiah in your Bible, um, but, but the first thing that we learn from Isaiah about hope is that we can have hope knowing that there is an eternal God. Okay, we have hope knowing that there is a God, knowing that, that, that we're not in this world just by ourselves, that we're not just left stranded and, and, and struggling right, with, with no hope. We know that there is a higher power than us, that, that he is an eternal God. Right? And he is not restricted by the things of this world. Um, our, first, our first reading comes out of Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3 through 5. Okay, where it says, it says, Listen, it's the voice of someone shouting. Clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God. Fill in the valleys and level the mountains and the hills. Straighten the curves and smooth out the rough places. And then the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all people will see it together, for the Lord has spoken. And yet even these words, as we see, right, he's, he's telling the people of God, he's, he's telling the people of Israel, he's saying, hey, even in the midst of the darkness, even when it feels like you're just living in a valley, right, that there is an eternal God. There is a God that is bigger than all that's happening around you. And we, we see, the, again, the instructions that come with this, right? He says, there is a voice shouting. He's saying, clear the way for God. Let God in. Right? And that's where we find hope, knowing there's a God, right? That there is this void in each of us. Because we are created in God's image. He is the breath of life. 
Right? Even when our, when our relationship is broken by our sin, and even when we're far away from God, living in this exile time, there is still a void in each of us that we try to fill with all kinds of things. But only God will fill it. Right? That we can find hope knowing there is a God, that he is an eternal God, right? and that he is a God that will fill that void in our hearts. And yet the action step that he's telling them, he's saying, get ready for that God. Clear out a path. Like, allow God in. Right? Don't, don't keep your back. Turn to him. Don't push him away. Right? Clear a way for God. Let him into your life. Right? Let him fill in the valleys. Right? Make those curves straight. Uh, um, you bring you a hope. Right? Because as this passage says, he says that the Lord will be revealed. And he will be revealed to all people. And it again shows the heart of that eternal God. Right? That he has a heart for us as humans. That his glory will be revealed. That God wants a relationship with us. Right? He's not a God that just created us and then just walked away and says, good luck. Right? No, he's like, I'm here with you. I want to do life with you. Even though we've been separated, just clear a way for me to enter into your life. Right? Because we can find hope knowing there is a God. Right? And he wants to be in my life. And again, our job is to clear away for him and allow him in. The next thing we learn from Isaiah is that we can have hope knowing that not everything is dark and corrupt. Hey, we can have hope knowing that not everything is dark and corrupt. Because it can oftentimes feel overwhelming when it feels like you can't trust anyone. I mean, we all know this, right? In fact, you can't even open your email today without being like, am I being scammed? Right? Like, I mean, literally, as, as you look, you can't, you can't open email, you can't do online shopping, you can't do anything, right, without, without this, this feeling in the back of your mind, your heart, and being like, can I trust this? Right, and so many times, it feels like that everything is dark and corrupt. You know, in fact, literally just through the weekend and, and you know, we were, uh, last, last night, we were in a store and there's literally, um, in Best Buy, there's this sign at the checkout counter that says, beware of gift card scams. Right? Again, you just, everywhere you turn, right, we feel like, like we're being scammed, right? In fact, literally just on Facebook the other day, somebody posted this, they're like, I got all this stuff for sale, come by, you know, whatever, and somebody put on, this is a scam, Right? Like, again, we have this feeling right, in our heart, like, can I trust anyone? Is there any good in the world? Right? And yet, Isaiah tells us right, we can have hope knowing that not everything is dark and corrupt. Okay, we can see in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 and verses 6 and 7, it says that the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. Again, he 
Isaiah was telling the people of Israel, right, even in this dark time, right, when everything feels dark, everything feels corrupt, everything feels so far away from God, right, there is a great light that will shine, right, and that light is the light of God. Because this eternal God that, that we can find hope in just knowing there's a God, we can also find hope in knowing that not only is he an eternal, powerful God, but he's also a good, loving God. Right? And he, he, he will bring love into this world. Right? Because knowing that there is some good still in this world, because God's presence is still here, even though... Right? It's not his unhindered presence, right? I mean, there's still, there is a lot of evil and darkness in the world. But it's not all evil because God is still here. Right? In fact, this is, he says, right? He says that, that God will be with us. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Right? These are powerful descriptions right, of an eternal God who is full of good. Again, just the presence of God and being here. And, and again, even when we walk in on a Sunday morning, we come with our church family, right? And, and we feel God's presence and we move in here, right? It's just that feeling of like, man, there is some good, right? Not everything is terrible, <laughs> right? There, because just knowing there's a little bit of good, even in the world, right? It brings us incredible peace and a hope, right? Of that there is hope. Right? It's like when you're out, you're having this terrible day, right? And just everything's going wrong, right? And it's, it's that person that just gives you that smile, right? And you're just like, oh, thank you. Or the person that holds the door open for you, right? When just everybody is so rude and so, you know, and then it's just that one person, right, that just shines a little bit of light. And again, we can find hope knowing that not everything is dark and corrupt, that we have is God, who is not only eternal and powerful, but he's also good and loving. The next thing we learn from Isaiah is that we can have hope knowing that God can do the impossible. And so many times in life, we, we feel like the cards are stacked against us. <laughs> right? Like, again, there's some good, but, but it feels impossible, right, to, to get through this. Or it feels impossible that things will ever be better. Okay, in Isaiah 7, verse 14, it says that the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, and she will give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Right, and as we read this, right, we understand that, again, God's presence will be with us, that we will come through the Christ child, and, and yet there's this moment, right, where he says the sign, right, that this really is God, Right, that you can trust him, that he is bringing real good and real hope, right, is the fact that you cannot deny that it was God. I'm right, just saying that, again, because there's only, I mean, it's impossible, right, for a virgin to conceive. I mean, that, that's it, impossible on human standards. But it is possible with God. Right, knowing that God can do the impossible, that there's nothing outside of his power. Again, this is a moment, right, that, where he's prophesying this and saying, this is how you will know it's the Messiah. This is how you know it's God, because there's no other explanation. Right, and there's hope knowing that God can do anything God wants to do. And again, even in our own lives, right, especially amidst the dark times, 
is sometimes when we start to see that light or, or we start to, to come out of the valley, right, and we start to, 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 to walk with God and see him work, and it's those times when you look back and be like, wow, I, there was God's hand. Right? There's no way that happened without God. That, there's, that was not a coincidence. <laughs> right? And we see God truly doing the impossible in our lives. Right? And the more that we acknowledge that, the more it brings hope into us saying, no, we can keep going. Right? That God can do the impossible. Right? The, the next thing we learn from Isaiah is that we can have hope knowing that God will stop at nothing to show his love for us. Okay, the truth is that God loves you. And God will stop at nothing to show you that love. And there's nothing you can do to, to, to push that away. Right? Even when you um, push God away, even when you um, spit in his face, even when, you know, you, whatever you do, you, you live your life of sin, right? Or even denies existence does not change the fact that God loves you. And he won't stop loving you because of that. And again, in fact, we, we see the extent of God's love in Isaiah chapter 52. Again, if you're trying to go around and look at it, I encourage you to just find Isaiah 52. This is, is an incredible passage in this, um, in this description that Isaiah gives of the extent of God's love. Okay, Isaiah 52, and I want to read verses 13 into 53, 12. Okay, so we're going to start at Isaiah 52, and before we read this, I just want to say is that this is a, an incredible description of how much God loves us, because this is describing Jesus himself, right, and what he's going to do, his purpose for coming to this world. Okay, Isaiah 52, starting at verse 13, he says, see, my servant will prosper, he will be highly exalted, but many were amazed when they saw him. His face was so disfigured, he seemed hardly human. And from his appearance, one would scarcely know he was a man. And he will startle many nations. Kings will stand speechless in his presence, for they will see what they had not been told, and they will understand what they had not heard about. Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We've left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong. He had never deceived anyone. But he was buried like a criminal, and he was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life, and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. 
And when he sees all this accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins. I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for rebels. Again, this is a vivid description of Jesus. And again, not just, not, obviously not his birth, right? But about his death. Right? This is a description of, of not just his death, but it says that he will conquer, right? He will reign eternally. It also describes his resurrection, Right? It describes all the different events right, that we celebrate in Holy Week and Easter. But again, it's Easter. Without Easter, Christmas really has no extra meaning. Right? Without this description of, of Jesus in his life, getting in our place, taking our pain, right, our punishment, stepping into our place, and it says he took it not for his own sins, but for ours. Right? And because of the, the power of, of his death and of his resurrection, it says that he atones for all of us, right? And so we find hope knowing that God will stop at nothing to show his love for us. That Christ was sent to this earth, right? And he lived his, that sinless life, but then died on the cross for our sins. He stepped in your place. And it says he was whipped for, so we could be set. In fact, the, the old version of this passage says it's by his wounds that we are healed. Right? And, and again, we can find hope knowing that God loves us that much. Right? Knowing that why this child was so special we celebrated Christmas is because he what, what he grew up to do. And what he accomplished through his life, through his death, and through his resurrection. And again, Isaiah was was telling the people in those dark times of, of exile, he's like, guys, there's an end to this misery because God loves you, and he will stop at nothing to save you. He will go so far to send this Christ child, right? And we find hope knowing that he, he has this incredible love for us. And again, all we have to do, right, is make a way. I mean, go back and say we accept him as our, as our Savior. Right, the... the, the the last thing I want to point out from Isaiah of how we find hope, okay, is that we, we have hope knowing that we can find victory through God's power. Right, that, that God loves us so much, right, and he sent the, the, the incredible gift of the Christ child and the, the life that he lives, the, his death, his resurrection, right, so that we can be saved and we can find victory. And again, we don't have to find victory on our own power, right, because the reality is we will always fall short of God's glory and his standard. Right? We can never be good enough, right? but we find victory through God's power. Right? It's what Isaiah describes in Isaiah 60, verses 1 through 3, right? where he says, Arise, Jerusalem, let your light shine for all to see, for the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. Darkness as black as night covers all the nations of the earth, but the glory of the Lord rises and appears over you. All nations will come to your light, mighty kings will come to see you your radiance. Notice what light shines. What is the source of the light? It's not from them. It's from God. It says that God's light will shine on you, and then it's reflected into the world. Right? Again, we find victory 
through God's power, not our own. It's the Lord's light that shines and then flows through each of us. Again, we find victory not through our own effort, but through surrendering our lives and our hearts to Christ. But it is by his power, again, that we can be set free. As we see all of these, these different ways we find hope from the prophet Isaiah, you know, and, and again, we realize that these were written hundreds of years before that first Christmas. And yet, we wonder how much did Isaiah even understand these messages, right? I mean, he was receiving these from God, he was passing them on, and, and again, did they even make sense to him in the midst, because remember, he was living in exile too. As we think about all of the hope that comes from Isaiah, and, and even think about the fact of his own humanness, right? Did he understand this? I want to watch this short video that kind of portrays Isaiah and the prophet and, and even him wrestling with these messages as he even received them from God. So, this is what you want me to tell them. The people. Your people who have lived in dark exile all these many years with their, their backs up against some Babylonian wall. It was one thing when you had me tell the king that a, a virgin would give birth. Go back to sleep, my dear. I'm talking to God. Is he listening? Uh, what do you mean, is he listening? Well, are you listening to him? You see what I mean, Lord? Even my own wife questions me. Now, you are God Almighty. You do what you want to do. But you want me to tell the people that Messiah is going to be just uh, some plain fellow like one of us? That he's going to suffer? He's going to die? Why not Moses to lead us out of exile? Or, uh, or King David, the mighty warrior, not some tiny li little... Where is the oil for the lamp? Where it always is. Uh, ah! This is what I'm talking about, Lord. We are a people in darkness, stumbling around, stubbing our toe on the sin of the world. We need a mighty rescuer. We need, uh, we need a savior, not some tiny little. Ah. Such a tiny flame. And the whole room is filled with light. I am a man of unclean lips. Forgive me, Lord. 
I will tell them what you have shown me. Even if I don't understand it. I will trust you, good lord, in your own good time to... to bring us, uh, Emmanuel. To... bring us light. And hope. Uh, light and hope. I'm coming back to bed. One tiny flame, and the whole room is filled with light. One tiny baby fills the whole world with light and hope, even if we don't understand it. Matthew chapter 1, starting at verse 20. It says, As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid or take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. We can find hope even when we don't understand it. How is it possible? Maybe we don't understand. But one tiny baby has filled this world with light and hope. Then hope arrived 700 years after Isaiah prophesied this moment. And Joseph fulfilled this prophecy when he named him Jesus, which means God saves. Isaiah's name means the salvation of Yahweh, and he had pointed the people living in darkness to a hope on the horizon that finally broke through seven centuries later when that baby was born. And we learn, again, it is because of the Christ child that we can find hope, that we have hope. It's because of the Christ child that that hope can grow into faith. Right? It's because of the Christ child that this hope that we have, will, we hope, God hopes, will grow into faith. Again, the biblical definition of faith is found in Hebrews 11.1, 1, where it says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It's the evidence of things we cannot see. Right? Things that we don't understand and yet can still be true. Right? That is what faith is. Is believing even though it might not make sense. And even the way of salvation, even the gospel message doesn't make sense to us, right? Because again, we believe in our heart, we believe in this world. The world tells us you earn everything you get. <laughs> right? And yet, the core of the gospel message is found in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 that tells us God saved you by his grace when you believe. 
You can't take credit for this. It's the gift of God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things you've done. None of us can boast. Again, when you believe, we are saved by faith through grace. And grace is receiving something we do not deserve. And we don't deserve our salvation or forgiveness or even God's love, and yet he still gives it to us. Because of the Christ child, we have a hope that grows into faith, a saving faith. Again, if you are here today and have not received Christ as your Savior, opened your life to him and surrendered your heart and mind, right, and received his love and his, and his light into your life, I hope that you will start that journey of faith today. By just praying and receiving him, asking him in your life and saying, God, I believe, I don't understand it, but I believe that you sent your son to die for me, to rose, rise again and to purchase my freedom. Because it's not only through the Christ child we have hope that grows into faith, but because of the Christ child, we have light that leads to life. Just as he said in the video, right, we're just a people that stumble around in the darkness and Stub our toe on the world's sin. And yet through the light that comes for, through Christ, right, we can find true life. Because it's, it's Jesus tells us in John chapter 8, he said, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to live in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Again, a, a life, a real life, right? A, a life that we could be set free to live. A, a life that we are created for, right? A life in a relationship with our God. And it's that relationship with God that truly sets us free. As Jesus says later in this chapter, in John chapter 8, he says to the people who believed in him, he says, if you believe in being, you will truly be my disciples if you remain faithful to my teaching." And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Set us free from the darkness, set us free from sin, set us free from the hopeless feeling that we can have in this world. When it feels like we're, all we are is surrounded by darkness and struggle. And yet the gift of the Christ child brings hope. It can turn into faith that can turn into a light that changes everything. Again, the message of Isaiah was hope that something's coming. Again, the celebration of Christmas is the fact that that hope has come. And that he lived that life, he died on that cross, and he rose again so we could be saved and set free. Again, just as he says in here, right, for those who do believe, right, then you will be faithful to my teachings. So again, if you have received Christ as your Savior, then the next challenge is remain in his teachings. Live out that truth. Right, and move forward in your faith journey. Continue to grow and be transformed by God's Spirit and be made holy because he is holy. Right, to go deeper in that relationship with God. And I don't know where your faith journey is at today, but I hope, especially not just today, but through this Christmas season, that it will grow, it will move forward, closer and closer to Christ. Which brings me to my final thought this morning, and that is this. 
that we can truly find hope in a seemingly hopeless world through the ultimate gift from God, the Christ child? Have you let him save you from exile? Again, we've all experienced exile in our lives, right? Being far from God, experiencing the consequences of our sinful choices, like feeling like we're just surrounded by darkness, but God has given us an invitation into the light through the Christ child. Again, he is the ultimate gift. Will you let him save you? And when he saves you, then will you continue to walk in his ways, right, and find new life and find freedom? Here, wherever your faith journey is at today, I hope you will take a step towards him. Accept that ultimate gift that comes through the Christ child. Lord God, we are so grateful, God, for your unfailing love. God, for the hope that you bring into this seemingly hopeless world. And Lord, as we go this week, I pray, Lord, that we will continue to grow in faith. God, that if we don't know you, God, that that faith will grow. Lord, to the place that we can invite you in our life and surrender. Lord, and receive your love and forgiveness. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that as our faith grows, that we will shine your light. Because, Lord, this is a dark world. But, Lord, you are bigger than all of it. And we praise you, God, for the ultimate gift of the Christ child. And especially as we walk through this Christmas season, Lord, may we never leave, uh, leave you or forsake you or lose focus on what this season is really about. God, we praise you for the incredible gift of the Christ child, for the hope that you bring into our lives knowing, God, that we have a purpose, that we are loved. God, that we are here to spread your life and your love in this world that's so desperately in need. Especially through this Christmas season, may you be glorified in all we do and all we say, in every conversation, in every gathering, in every party. Lord, thank you for loving us. We're so thankful that you're with us. Now guide us as we go this week. In Jesus' name we pray.